The following Dharma talk was given by monastic Shoan Ankele at the Zen Center of New York City. Shoan is a Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. So good to be here. My name is Shoan. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm one of the monastics. I live up at the monastery. And um, I'm here this week. Um, and Hojin Sensei, our abbot here, is up at the monastery offering a teaching, an arts workshop and Dharma teaching up there. Um, So many new faces, I'm like, I don't want to talk. I'd like to talk to all of you. <laughs> Hear who you are and why you came and, and how it's going, how you've been. Um, but, uh, but I, 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 I am going to um, offer some words. And then maybe we can talk after. So to start um, uh, a, a poem, this is um, a poem by a, um, I guess, 13th century um, Chinese Zen master. Wuman, who um, collected uh, the, the Muman Khan, a, a koan collection, for, for those of you who are um, familiar with that. And um, this is a very famous poem, one of his capping phrases um, to one of the koans in that collection. So I'm just taking it up as a teaching in and of itself this morning and kind of... Um, offering it to you as the heart of Zen. This is a translation by Robert Aiken. 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter, if your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. Let me read it again for you. 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. So there is a way in which um, you could think of Zen practice as uh, teaching us how to, how to live, 
how to live so that regardless of the conditions that we find ourselves in, we can um, experience that best season. There's another translation of this poem uh, that ends with, um, I can't remember how they translate it, if your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things. Probably, I, there's one that's, if there's no vain cloud in your mind, right? No sort of self-centered vein in that sense, no vain cloud in your mind. For you, it is a good day. Um, and I think about that like, you know that brand, life is good? I feel like that's such an example of how like something that's so deep and actually takes so much practice to really dig into, like what does that mean every day is a good day, that it gets kind of co-opted um, by, by um, consumer culture. Because we want that. We want life is good. We want every day is a good day. So we might just be willing to like reach into our wallets and like spend a few dollars in order to maybe come a little closer to that truth. Even though we know like a t-shirt or whatever isn't gonna bring us that. Um, so Zen is about no, really, really. How do you live every day is a good day? even the really difficult ones. Krishnamurti, you know Krishnamurti, who's a um, uh, spiritual teacher, 20th century, um, but not identified with any religious tradition, really kind of adamantly like, like um, uh, offering teachings that the pursuit of, of truth and reality and harmony is not dependent on any, any concept, and that any time that you go in the direction of formal religion, you're gonna get tangled up in um, conceptual obstructions. And so, uh, you know, did not identify as, as Buddhist or anything else adamantly, but did say or write, the religious mind is an explosion of love. It is this love that knows no separation. To it, far is near. It is not the one or the many, but rather that state of love in which all division ceases. Like beauty, it is not of the measure of words. From this silence alone, the meditative mind acts. And so what I wanted to um, explore a little bit further is, um, first of all, I just have to say that first part again. The religious mind is an explosion of love. So I, f I feel like, yes, that's so true, and that Wuman is saying the same thing. Um, and that, that teaching, um, Krishnamurti's teaching, from, that speaks about the, the meditative mind um, earlier in the same passage, he is speaking about um, the mind of silence. And so when we take up a practice that centers um, stillness and silence, why? What's being opened up in that?
What are we giving the opportunity to make contact with, to cultivate within ourselves? What opens within that quiet? There's the outer quiet, you know, so we do have a practice of observing silence during a, a, a period of zazen or in, you know, a um, morning of practice or for those of you who have done the half-day sits or the zazen kai or sashin for that matter, they're conducted within silence. So there's, you know, the obvious silence of not, of not speaking to one another. Um, but the much more challenging practice is to, to um, turn down the volume or at least relate in a different way to our inner conversation. <laughs> the inner silence, which is not a um, shutting down or um, shutting up, but learning how to relate to the thoughts and forms, the continual production of our mind in a different way. So that it can loosen, so that we're not so um, committed or invested and attached to all that we think and say and talk about. that sacred um, quieting inside. Learning how to listen to reality and the teachings of reality that are always present. But we have to be paying attention. We have to be receptive. And we need to learn how to do that. We can stumble upon it, right? We can have moments of what um, we might think of as moments of grace. And there's also a practice of um, training in that. As we, as we uh, learn how to do this, then we come into um, the alive, connected reality where um, the 10,000 flowers of spring or the moon in autumn, the cool breeze in summer, the snow in winter, we can really be there for that. There's just that experience. When there's just that experience, for you, it is a good season. We, um, you know, we are what we eat. Yesterday, and we were, did a retreat here on, on liturgy and everyday life. And as, as part of the retreat, we had the first portion of our lunch meal in silence. And um, afterwards, someone who um, uh, was, was experiencing that for the first time, um, they said that they had never really, 
you know, that every time they eat, there's like music or this or conversation or, you know, they're listening to something or watching something. And so the experience of just having a meal without any other um, input um, allowed them to really taste and be present for what was being offered and that that was transformative. And um, one of the things that they said was like, eating is so crazy. <laughs> and it is, it's so crazy. It's like you take in food and you chew it and swallow it and it actually like becomes part of who you are. And the mind is like that too. So um, I think of this because um, we're taking in so much, most of us, most of the time, so much um, sound, noise sometimes, so many words, so many visuals, so many ideas and opinions and perspectives. We're putting our own out there too. Um, and to appreciate like what that's, what that's doing, the impact that that's having, how it's shaping our mind. Uh, the monastics have been studying for, for some time, uh, uh, I guess it's a book um, by Thomas Merton, the Catholic monastic, called Cistercian Life, and it's his reflections on monasticism within his order um, from, from, I don't know when this was written, 50s maybe? Um, and maybe early 60s. And there's a passage in it, he has a section, a, a really exquisite section on silence and the role of silence within a monastic vocation. And he has this part where he like laments just like how much people of the day are taking in, like how much noise there is in the world and how fast it's coming at people. And it's hard not to read that now in 2023 and be like, oh my God, you did not even know. <laughs> wow, so yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit frenzied. We seem to be um, sort of as a, you know, as our technology um, progresses and makes more possible, really fixated on like generating more, 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 more like communication. But like, what are we communicating? Um, and I don't mean to paint with such a broad brush and erase all of the really important, valuable um, communication that is happening and all of the things that that ease and facilitation of spreading ideas is making possible because there's that side too. But there's definitely the shadow that we're paying for. Um, and I think about like, why is that so seductive? Um, why are we, you know, uh, drawn that way, drawn to creating and drawn to participating in? Um, and I'm sure there are people who've done much more thoroughgoing thinking about this than me, but um, I, I can't help but come immediately to um, the feeling that, you know, we're, we're drowning something out, right? It's like you turn the volume up on this so you don't have to hear that. 
when I really pay attention to my own um, deepest layers of anxiety, right? Like what's below, 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 below the things that I see where I just am feeling into that kind of quiver at the heart of my like selfhood. Um, I can feel there is a fear of death. And I think that that must be um, part of the uh, Buddha's skillful means in bringing that out so um, directly from the very beginning. Um, because we, we paper over or um, drown out that reality uh, at our peril because it's unavoidable. It's like 100% for sure. And if we're not going to reckon with that, then um, sooner or later, we're in for a shock. And one of the things that I really appreciated about Zen practice from the very beginning um, was that bold, unapologetic, confrontation with mortality. When I um, first encountered Zen, I was a young, young woman still in university up at Zen Mountain Monastery, and I came there to spend uh, a month in residence. And the first night, so they, they, um, they slash we, <laughs> I guess it's we now, when someone comes in for a period of residence, the first thing that happens that evening is you get beginning instruction in zazen, which some of you got this morning, and which takes about 35 minutes. And then you come and you sit the second period in the zendo and close, close that first evening with the residence. So I remember not much except being like pretty disoriented, like kind of like barely getting a hang of like, okay, that beginning instruction thing and then taking my seat in the zendo, dimly lit, and I'm um, just kind of soaking in the atmosphere. But the evening, if you've been here for evening zazen, then you know, the, um, the evening closes with um, what we call the evening gatha, a verse chanted every night let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by, and opportunity is lost. Each of us should strive to awaken. Awaken. Take heed. Do not squander your life. And I felt um, so relieved. I had come to the monastery in a sense because, um, because of death and was really um, trying to understand what that meant for my life and was having a hard time actually uh, Engaging in that question in a meaningful way, you know, I mean, nobody really wants to talk about it, and, um, and, uh, and no one, in, in, the, in the dominant culture at large, people don't really know what to do about death. 
I don't know. It's like we're just like hoping that we figure it out by the time it comes or <laughs> like maybe it won't happen to me. I think we all see and feel that, um, you know, and then it comes in close and we have to reckon with it. So that, that sense of relief, you know, at the, um, uh, well, first of all, the Buddha has a teaching, an early teaching um, in the Upajatana Sutta um, of the five remembrances, which is um, a sutra where, where he invites everyone, his, his sangha, to um, reflect on um, sickness, old age, and death, right? Those were the, uh, uh, the three messengers that the Buddha himself encountered in his, in his life that turned him toward um, his, his, his life of practice, of really searching, searching to understand more completely and be at ease in his human experience. And um, Thich Nhat Hanh has a very nice translation and distillation of this teaching of the, the five remembrances. So these five things we should reflect on. I am of the nature to grow old. I cannot escape old age. I am of the nature to grow ill. I cannot escape sickness. I am of the nature to die. I cannot escape death. I will be separated from everything and everyone that I hold dear. My only true possession is my actions. And within this sutra, he extols his monastics to um, reflect often on these truths that they would um, galvanize, that reflecting and practicing in this way galvanizes us to practice, right? We see that the intoxication that we have with youth, with health, with our sense of immortality, with clinging, with wanting, reflecting in this way undermines those attachments and, and allows us to more um, wholeheartedly engage real practice and grappling with our experience and figuring out how to live. We don't have forever. It goes so quick. It goes so quick. And the older you get, the quicker it goes. Until you're like, oh my god, I'm basically already dead. <laughs> Like the 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 um, that evening gatha right is is hung. If you look, it's hung above the, the the doors to the zendo, right right out there. At the monastery, it's hung um, uh, by one of the the zendo entrances. And at Aheji, which is um, uh, one of the the first Zen monasteries founded in in Japan back in the 13th century, um, the uh, the main gate to Aheji is engraved with the characters that mean only those concerned with the problem of life and death should enter here. So from there, we come into practice. 
And that last remembrance of the Buddha's, my only true possession is my actions, is pointing us exactly to practice, to appreciate that um, how we manifest, how we show up, our, our actions, and in this case, um, also our, our actions that are not physically manifested, but the, the activity of our mind is creating our life. So it's a possession in the sense of it, 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 it belongs to us. We will, we will um, inherit the effects of our own actions. We see that all the time if we're looking, right? This morning, you did what you needed to do to get up and show up here. That's going to have an impact on what comes next for you in your day. We don't know the impact yet. It's happening now, right? Sometimes you might choose to make another choice. Maybe you need extra rest or there's a loved one that you need to spend time with. And that's going to have another kind of effect on your day. That's how life works. And if we pay attention, we can start to use the reality of cause and effect to create a life where we're awake and present and can taste that um, wonder. So the teaching of, of, of silence, um, which we might understand is that basic, that basic practice of letting go when we're, when we're with ourself in, in zazen and the instruction is, so you're going to think, right? It's not that we're trying to block out or erase all um, mental activity. First of all, it's not possible. The mind is much more powerful than our aggressive, ambitious will. So um, uh, in a sense, um, it's a futile effort. Sweep as you may, there's a teaching. You will never empty the mind. So the mind, the mind its magic is that it's uh, generating. It's generative. It's creative. Um, but because we get confused and don't see clearly what's happening, we um, invest in, become attached to, latch on to our mental formations. We mistake them and confuse them for a solid, fixed, continuing self. And that can cause us all kinds of trouble. And it's causing all kinds of trouble all the time. When we sit in zazen, we have the opportunity to see like, okay, wow, a lot of thoughts. What's going on up there? Oh, wow, a lot of like negative thinking. Oof, so much judgment. Wow, I'm turning it towards myself. I'm turning it towards others. We start to see like, okay, this, this is the causal, this is like a primary causal source of the reality, the life that I'm experiencing. Now I'm witnessing it. It's no longer that I'm just reacting out of it. I'm like peering back behind the curtain and like, whoa, okay, no wonder I'm having such a difficult time. 
So the first piece of practice is we just are recognizing that. And then as we're recognizing that, we're practicing not believing, not buying into. And so it's, um, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not like there's a, a, a switch that we can flip or like something that we can do to um, make that happen. It really is that practice of sitting with ourself, not acting out of every thought, starting to recognize our own stories, the ways stories, patterns, thoughts return, starting to recognize we're making it up. We're making it up. It's just our opinion. It's just our idea. It's something we heard. It's something we've taken in from family, from the culture, and we've assimilated. We are what we eat, and now we're spinning in it. We're in our own cocoon. So the recognition is so key. And as soon as we recognize, just that awareness begins to shift our relationship to that begins to let it loosen. Meanwhile, coming back to the breath is, is developing a capacity to just be with our life as it is. So instead of papering over our direct experience with a lot of ideas and projections, to-do lists, judgments, we're just there. the sound of the ventilation system. Sensations in the body. Our life. No big deal. And then from there, we can go in deeper and start to see, what is this life? Who is this person sitting here? Who's having this experience? Who? Who? If I'm not my ideas, and I'm not my opinions, and I'm not my plans or my accomplishments or my stories. Who am I? We empty out, we become silent and quiet in deeper and deeper ways so we can see our true nature. In Zen, we have a phrase, original face. The face that you had before your parents were born. What was the face that you had 
before your parents were born. Your original face. Check this out. Dogen, 13th century founder of Zen in Japan, are um, one of our um, uh, most esteemed teachers in this tradition. Um, he was a contemporary of women, more or less. They died uh, just a few years apart. But um, Dogen was mostly in, in Japan, although he did travel to China. And he has a short poem called Original Face. So in this poem, we might imagine Dogen is offering us a teaching on that original face. Are you ready? Check this out. Original face. Spring, flowers, summer, cuckoos, autumn, the moon, winter, snow does not melt, all seasons pure and upright. So, Daida Roshi, who's my first teacher and the founder of um, the Mountains and Rivers Order, he used to say, what did he say? He would say um, something like, you know, people always ask, like, when you forget the self, like, what happens? What is there? And he would say, he would answer himself, Everything is there. Everything is there. The flowers, the breeze, the sun, the snow. Your body and the body of others is in essence not to. That's a line from Agatha on prostrations. When we become quiet, we can encounter our life directly, and we can feel into the merging of the sacred and the mundane, of the inner and the outer. And this quiet, it's not what we think. Krishnamurti in that same teaching speaks about, um, uh, basically says like, yeah, what you're thinking of when I say silence is like not what I'm talking about. It can't be touched by words. There's a, 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 a Zen a Zen teaching, I guess it's probably in one of the koans, but I, I don't remember which, it's just one that um, we hear from time to time, where um, there's an old master who had gone for some time without offering a public talk 
to his sangha. And so one of his monks comes and says, like, you know, it's been a long time since you've given a teaching. Like, the, 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 the monks all want to hear from you. Like, we, 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 we want the Dharma. Can, can you, can you, um, you know, cough something up? <laughs> and um, the master says, like, okay, okay, get the hall ready, sound the drum, I'll offer a teaching. And so everyone assembles and um, he ascends the, the high seat and sits in silence and then gets down and heads out. Mechtilde of Magdeburg, who was a uh, medieval German um, mystic and poet. She, um, again, uh, 13th, 13th century, she um, wrote a poem. This is a translation by Jane Hirschfield. Of all that God has shown me, I can speak just the smallest word. No more than a honeybee takes on his foot from an overspilling jar. We'll not reach it in words. We have to let that go. And the familiarity and comfort that we derive from our thinking, storytelling, identifying, discursive mind at some point will not meet us in our journey. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's not comfortable. It can be scary. We may not know where we are or how to move forward. But if we're practicing trust in the Dharma, and really staying true to that, we can let go. We can really let go of all of that. And allow our contact with life to deepen. It's not complicated. We will make it complicated. But to just practice being present with your actual life while it's happening and to learn more and more what that even means. So always in the beginning, or I don't know always, in my experience in the beginning, it seemed confounding. I couldn't figure out. I remember, I've told this before, but it's such a clear moment in my, my life. I um, worked for a time as the cook in the kitchen when I was brand new to the monastery. And, um, you know, was trying to find my way into practice. And, like, I remember, like, opening the refrigerator door to, like, get stuff out 
and being like, you know, hearing myself be like, I was trying to be mindful and present with my experience. And I was like opening the refrigerator door and I wanted to just open the refrigerator door, but instead it was like, okay, now I'm trying to just open the refrigerator door. <laughs> so we have to go through that. It's okay, it's okay. Hang in there, don't lose heart. If you can, practice intensely. Right? So for those of you who are new, if, you, if this resonates with you and you stick with it, then like at some point in the future when you feel that the time is right, try, try sitting, sitting more. Right, Join us or in some other place, do, do a half-day sit or a zazen kai. Eventually, do sishin. You have to, for, for, for us to touch deeper levels of quiet, we need more sustained time practicing. And um, the good news is that if that's what you're interested in, then you've totally found a place where that happens. <laughs> um, because then we have the opportunity. It just takes an instant, a moment to taste that, to feel like, oh, this is just sweeping. This is just washing the dishes. If we're looking, 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 it's like in the um, identity of relative and absolute that we chanted this morning. Um, you, you won't find it even as you walk on it. When you seek the way, it is not near, it is not far. Um, I can't remember. You know the part I'm talking Some of you know the part I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Basically, the teaching, I don't want to take too much time trying to remember, <laughs> but it, um, the teaching is like, it's always right here. And when we're looking for it, we won't find it. We'll be mountains and rivers away from it. So we have to sort of exhaust the seeking mind and just drop into our life. And that can happen. It, you know, you don't need to do session. It's just helping to give you conducive circumstances. It can happen on your subway ride home. Yeah, it's just dropping your mind. Drop it. Drop it. Get quiet. Let reality teach you. Listen. Pay attention. That's the jar that's overspilling. It's our ordinary life. I can speak just the smallest word, no more than a honeybee takes on his foot from an overspilling jar. That overspilling jar, 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org. <laughs>